Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show's Icon Series. I am Louise Salas, and typically, I am your host. But in this limited series, I'm handing over the reins to historian John Taylor Chapman as he takes us on a journey through history. So sit back, grab a cocktail, and enjoy. Yes, I'm your host, John Taylor Chapman, and indeed, I'm going to take you on a trip through time to explore African and African-American cultural heritage, history, and legacy. This is no ordinary history class, not even close. Each week, I will be joined by some highly respected historians and amazing storytellers, so I promise you this, our conversations will be lively and empowering. So let's get started, shall we? Today, we're going to chat about one of the least talked about time periods, but possibly the most impactful to our communities today. Those few years after the Civil War, known as Reconstruction. Like I stated, Reconstruction is one of the most impactful time periods for African Americans because during this time, they are seeking new freedoms, but still facing the challenges of the past. And here to tell the rest of this important story from this time period is local community historian and Alexandra living legend, MacArthur Myers. Welcome to the show, Mac. Thank you, Councilman Chapman. I don't know if I should call you John or brother uh, Chapman, but First, I'd like to welcome you to Universal Lodge that the host house as we are today, which is um, the oldest Prince Hall Lodge in the state of Virginia, 177 years old as of February the 5th, this past Saturday. So here, you, here we are. But you brought up a great topic. In order to get to Reconstruction, I'd like to just digress to the beginning of Alexandria from 1749 to uh, 1846 when they retroceded because some things was in place that impacted Reconstruction's desires. For instance, when, when 1791 to 1846 when Alexandria were part of what they call Alexandria, D.C., black folks was able to go to school, was able to, um, to interact and travel freely among the city. However, after 1846, they came up with the Black Codes. And the Black Codes, for example, give you an example, um, three black folks was seen together would constitute a riot. And this was a lot of this came as a result of the 1838 um, Nat Turner Rebellion down in, in the um, southwest, southeastern Virginia. So saying that to say this, 1846 to the actual Civil War was a hard, time in Alexandria because of the change in demographics. Slavery, 1820, Alexandria became the largest slave port in America with uh, Franklin Armfield. Uh, thousands of uh, ancestors was uh, sent down to Florida, Georgia, Texas because of the changing of the crop up here. Cotton became king. Sugar became king in, in, uh, along the Gulf Coast. So 1846 to 1861 was a pivotal time because America was talking about mm, ending slavery, pro-slavery, anti-slavery. And in Alexandria, we were, say, fortunate because there was a lot of Quakers in this town. And the Quakers was uh, the Society of Friends, as, we, as some would know, but most don't know they was against slavery. And so they had a great interaction with the enslaved and the free blacks. They even helped to form a community called Haiti, 
which is down there on South uh, 400 block of South Royal Street. With, with Alexandria, 1861 was the first city taken over after Fort Sumter. Uh, Colonel Ellsworth, a Union soldier, came to Alexandria and at the Marshall House took down the flag and George Jackson shot him and who subsequently he got shot and killed. Uh, was the first town taken over. And Alexandria was pivotal because they had railroad in the water. Railroad being a major industry that would go into the heartland of, of Virginia. Bring in the produce and products and produce and coal, if you will, minerals into Alexandria down the, down, uh, down the Potomac. Because Alexandria at one time was the seventh largest seaport town in America along the East Coast, Boston. Mm. Yeah, you had Boston, New York, uh, Baltimore, Alexand uh, George Georgetown, Alexandria. Then you had Norfolk. Then you had Charleston. And so, so it went south and Savannah. So it was a major, major, major port internationally. Um, being with the, the slave industry with uh, Franklin Arnfield from 1820 to 1861 when the Union soldiers took over. So in order to understand Reconstruction, Tom, you've got to understand how, what Alexander Rowe played in the uh, forming of the state convention. I could go back to Bacon Rebellion, <laughs> but I won't do that during a revolutionary time. But the same thing that was concerned about Western Virginia, because there was no West Virginia state. So Western Virginia and Wheeling had a conference under uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Francis Pierport. Francis Pierport, in that convention, by the, what they called themselves the Radicals, who was pro-unionist, because uh, Virginia has ceded and so Francis Pierpont had made a letter of uh, allegiance to the Union, and President Lincoln had allowed them to come to Alexandria, one, because of protection, two, because they were close to the, constant, uh, the Congress, they were close to the uh, District of Columbia, where they can interact. So what President Lincoln did was gave uh, Virginia a mandate for Union-held territory to have a convention. So April the 16th, 1862, Lincoln wrote a proclamation freeing the uh, African-American enslaved in the District of Columbia proper. Mm -hmm. But 1862, then 1860, he said after that, all the states that ceded, you can join the Union, rejoin the Union by January the 1st, 1863. So 1863, he initiated another proclamation saying all Union-held territory, black folks, enslaved, all free. So with that being said, Pierpont moved to Alexandria, which at that time became Union-held capital of Virginia, of, um, which was at the Gatsby House, Gatsby Tavern at the corner of Fairfax and Royal Street. So within that, they had, black folks was coming to this town for, they would call them contraband, which I don't use the word. I say human beings and refugees came to this town to, for safe haven in the numbers, in the numbers. And so within that, Pierpont 
had ordered a constitutional convention here, which was to rewrite what they call the restore government, to rewrite the Constitution of Virginia. Okay, so that being said, that was 18, that's not the Constitution of 1870, which we'll get to, but 1863, they, they had a discussion, and they rewrote the Constitution, but at the same time, April, mm, April the 7th, 1864, was, in Alexandria, was the freedom, freedom, freedom of all African-Americans in Alexandria. So you had a proclamation, you had an uh, Emancipation Proclamation in 62, you had one in 63, then you had one in 64 for that impacted Alexandria. Um, so that being said, these, these gentlemen that was involved, people like McNaughton, who was uh, out of uh, Yorktown, we had progressive-minded men here in Alexandria. You had George Seaton, mm -hmm. you had um, uh, John Seaton, mm -hmm. you had Fields Cook, mm -hmm. and all of them played pivotal roles. You had George Washington Parker, you had Thomas Penn, you had uh, a, a myriad of different gentlemen. For instance, once that Constitution of the Emancipation of 1864, they were mandated to continue to write the uh, Constitution of Virginia. So what happened was in 1870, they finally got to the point where they were ready to go and ratify this. So 1861 to 1870, you had organizations that was pivotal, fraternal organizations, churches, and you also had um, the idea of a developing institution. What's the institution? Banking, schools, hospital, benevolent societies. All this came with the discussion of what people need. It wasn't about separation. It was about nation building. Nation building is what they was trying to do, black and white. Um, for instance, 18, 1870, they had a convention here at 411, 411 um, South Columbus Street, which was on the site of Bethlehem Church. Mm -hmm. But before, no, then it was Fella Hall. You had Bethlehem Church and George, George Seaton built around that enlarged the building, which became Fella Hall. And then there you had Benevolent Society and so forth and so on. So for our listeners, a Benevolent Society uh, was the early formation of anti-slavery groups or organizations, um, many times made up of uh, Quakers or those with a religious background. So, 1870, they had an election. George Washington Parker, who was the founder of Third Baptist Church here in Alexandria, was elected city councilman. John A. Seaton, because of the ward system, he was in charge of the Jefferson Ward, he was elected. That's his brother, George Seaton, was elected um, House of Delegate. By the way, George Seaton was worth $100,000. He was the richest black man in the state of Virginia at the time of his death, uh, which was 1881. But saying that to say this, then Thomas Penn, he was elected as, a, as an alternate delegate to mm. the state convention in Richmond. So, I'm saying all this say, all right, that's under restore government. Then you have— So, Mac, if you give me a second, I want to explain to our listeners what the restored government was. Um, if everybody remembers, the original government of Virginia has succeeded. Uh, 
during the course of the Civil War. And now this restored government of Virginia is going to be the state government, uh, which is now put together in opposition to uh, the secessionist government uh, to really bring back uh, Virginia into the Union. But let's go back to 1865. Lee, in April, surrendered in Appomattox. I think April the 9th. Then Lincoln gets shot. The returning soldiers coming back to Alexandria, and the way I'm going with this is that, that 1865 was the first time that blacks were free. Mm-hmm. And celebrating that freedom was some called Independence Day for blacks. So, Mac, was there any kind of local blowback with this new freedom for blacks? There was a tragedy that happened at uh, Market Square, December the 25th. They call it the Christmas Day Massacre, the Christmas Day Riot. Because what happened was a lot of people said, wait a minute, you are my property. People were trying to get their property back. Who are you? So that whole institution of uh, you are not a human being, you steal my property, and this predates the 13th and 14th and 15th Amendment. See, they didn't come in until later on as a result to try to empower everybody that was born on this soil is American. So Market Square, December 25th, 14 blacks, got killed. Then you have, they said two whites got injured, but that was a battle. The thing that happened is, <laughs> the whites call it a riot. Black folks call it a massacre. And you'll see that dichotomy throughout mm. history, the, the, uh, the difference in how people look at things. Mm-hmm. So one of the major, major institutions that were formed was education. Education formally didn't come into Alexandria until 1870, and that was, uh, I had a convention at Alpha Street Baptist Church where they mm. acknowledged that, but all that was part of the Reconstruction Plan. Freeman Beer, which was at 411 South Columbus Street, was managed in Northern Virginia by Fields Cook, also a pastor at, out of Richmond, but a pastor for Third Baptist and later the founder of uh, Ebenezer Church. But the schools, remember I said prior to 1846, there was public school. Mm-hmm. Then when the retro session, black folks, there was no schools, and there was school, but sometimes they taught the kids in the alleys. Mm. <laughs> you know, the alleys was the internet of its day. <laughs> Sorry, right. again, Mac, let me uh, explain for our listeners what retro session is. Uh, retro session happens when... Um, the Commonwealth of Virginia takes back Alexandria and parts of Arlington back from uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, originally, when Washington, D.C. is formed in 1801, parts of Arlington and Alexandria uh, make up the southwestern portion of this new area. Uh, but the Commonwealth takes that back in 1847. Anyway, the, how people communicate was by passing through the alleys. Just, you know, just chatting you know, or catching up on family members and so right. forth. Um, Alexandria has a lot of alleys. So yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, they, they do. Had to... Yeah, they do. Because people was getting, before we get into the Jim Crow era, but people were getting beaten just for having a book. Because, see, under, under that black code manumission, Virginia, Alexandria had a law that said if you free, you had to be out 
within sometime the next day, but definitely within a year. You had to leave the state. And if you was uh, educated, you couldn't come into the city. Came and they flooded the city in, during the Civil War. People like Harriet Jacobs, out of, uh, she came out of Cambridge, Mass., but she and her daughter, Lucy, um, I have a picture of, uh, of, 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 the, of the house, of the school. So they call it the meeting house on the corner of Pitt and Orinoco Street, which is the founding spot for Beulah Church and Third Baptist. Mm. Um, so schools, education, school. So you have 1870 was the formal, uh, formalization and legalizing education in the city. So therefore, you're getting your nation building, churches, um, schools, banking, and hospitals, because I don't know at the time you had major hospitals because Alexandria was the convalescent center for the Union soldiers. Um, of course, that's been depicted on Mercy Street and all that. So I'm saying that to say, from Reconstruction. So the Compromise Election of 1876, in all intent and purpose, put an end to Reconstruction. That's right after, that's the Hayes-Tilden Compromise. But you had um, 1875, the first Civil Rights Act, that was in the Grant administration, and President Grant, which was, which was great. That's where the 13th and 14th and 15th Amendment. Of course, the 13th came in under the Johnson administration after um, Lincoln was shot, Andrew Johnson. He vetoed it, but Congress, with the radical Republican, um, overrode his veto. So you had 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment setting the tone in essence, what the dream, continuation of the dream of America, which we still fighting in 2022. So let me, let me, mm-hmm. let me, for our, for mm-hmm. our listeners, mm-hmm. they've, they've heard a lot of history mm-hmm. in a real short time frame. Let me try to drill down on some of, mm-hmm. um, some of the bigger stories, especially within Reconstruction, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, a lot of visitors to the city, a lot of residents uh, mm-hmm. in uh, our area, aren't necessarily aware of all of the action, shall you say, um, that happens in somewhere like Alexandria during Reconstruction. Okay. I mean, you've already talked a couple of times about conventions happening. Mm-hmm. You know, what's happening at those conventions okay. um, that makes the conventions that happen important for Reconstruction mm-hmm. and, and kind of for the story of Reconstruction? Okay. Let's understand what the word Reconstruction means. Mm-hmm. The way Reconstruction means we need to reconstruct America after the Civil War and devastation. That's right. And, and after, I mean, the South was bankrupt. The economy was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had laws coming into uh, vagrancy laws, basically, which would arrest someone because they didn't have a home or they were on the street. And out of that vagrancy law, they would be sent to prison or to jail, and then they will rent it out. So one, my point is, Reconstruction was, okay, America, let's take a look at what we need to do to rebuild, and so reconstruct. But within that dichotomy and paradigm was and is, you got the human piece in there, and you got the human piece of black folks as free. And what are we going to do with the black folks? 
At the same time, what do the black folks want for themselves? And mm -hmm. basically what they want for themselves is, and that's what's the driver for the conventions. And in there, they want one man, one vote. So the convention, inside the convention, they wanted schools, they wanted quality of life issues, school, banking, the right to vote, the right to participate, the right of representation. Now, Alexandria was unique. And how it's so unique? Because of the proximity to the nation capital. So what the people basically wanted was quality of life issues mm -hmm. and, and inclusion. Inclusion wasn't going to happen. Then they develop on their own. They develop. So from 76, let's say, to 1892, that's when Jim Crow started coming in. Mm -hmm. Because primarily after the Hayes-Tilden compromise, where Rutherford B. Hayes became the president, Samuel Tilden, he asked that all the Union soldiers be moved out of the South. He was, he was his history go back. He was, uh, I don't know if he was pro-slavery or anti-slavery, but I think he was kind of pro-slavery. But anyway, that compromise, that they moved the soldiers out. Alexandria had, what well, they back then had the U.S. color troops here as well. They moved them soldiers out to Washington, back to D.C. And then came the South and Jim Crow. So, uh, with that, um, what I want to try to do is um, compartmentalize everything that's happened prior to that point. Mm -hmm. What would you say is, for anybody that's interested in, in our local history, what is the, in your, in your estimation, the most impactful event in those years between the end of the Civil War mm -hmm. and the start of Jim Crow? That's a great question because that was a time where people being human beings were really understanding freedom mm. to move, but they had to mm. adjust as the laws and quote-unquote rules of control because you remember, the whites lost property, quote unquote. They mm -hmm. lost money. Mm -hmm. So they lost e the economy and the, and the workers, the worker bees and the workers. So I'm saying that to say that for me, every day was, was an important day mm -hmm. because you didn't know, you know, people were just killing people, you know, mm -hmm. for whatever emotional reason, anger or you don't have no right. You know, the, I gave an example of the Christmas Day riot. Right. You know, because uh, how it goes in terms of the dichotomy and diaspora, African-American, it used to be called Emancipation Day, Freedom Day, and now they call it, um, you know, because you had first free, which mm -hmm. was the enslaved, then their offspring. I'm only third generation from slavery. Mm. I'm third. Mm. You may be fourth, John. I'm a little older than you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Keep the change. <laughs> but no, seriously. Uh, so first free was the, the former enslaved. And then people were dying, too, you know, from sickness, from yeah. bad health. I mean, look at us. I, again, I don't use the word con uh, contraband, but we had a Freeman Cemetery here, mm -hmm. and that over 18, almost 2,000 people known that were died and buried in that cemetery on South Washington Street. 
And so everyday living quality life, but in my mind, the one that really set the tone was the Christmas Day ride of 1865, in my mind. Okay. Because yeah. God, you had a fight to live. Mm. I'm just talking about just to live because of God given right to live. Okay. Mm. So, Mac, mm -hmm. this has been amazing to hear. I just got started. Thank you. <laughs> you did just get started. And so, listeners, please understand that this is, um, this is not the end of our discussion with Mac. This is only the kind of end of the first part of yeah. our two-part yeah. uh, episode. Uh, because we know Mac has a lot to share, mm. uh, we are going to be coming back to you next week as we talk more history and honor more spirits with MacArthur Myers. Thank you, John. The cocktails inspired by today's guest and living legend, MacArthur Myers, were crafted by master barkeep John Schott, co-owner of King's Ransom, which is located right here in Old Town Alexandria. So to check out his twist on a few classics like his truffled dirty martini and pear rosemary bee's knees, or to find out how you can join one of John Chapman's manumission Black History Guided walking tours, head over to designateddrinker.show. That's designateddrinker.show. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.